Good morning once again. We do welcome you to Alger Assembly of God. If you're watching or listening online, we're jumping back into our series entitled RE, R-E, things that you would want to go back to, to do again. And just a reminder, these last several weeks, we've looked at re-read, the challenge to dig in, to continue to get into the Word of God and allow His Word to get into your life. That was our first one in the series. We looked at rekindle, the challenge of rekindling a prayer life, connecting with God in prayer. Thirdly, we looked at repent. It's a word we hear about. It's not one that we're super enthusiastic about because that means, wow, we have sinned, we have messed up, and we need to make it right. And we talked about how repenting means a change. And it's a complete turn. We're turning from sin and we're turning towards God. Last week, we looked at the word rediscover. The challenge was rediscovering Jesus. We looked at a little bit of one of the stories of connecting with some of the early disciples, some of the principles involving listening and being available to him and not just listening, but doing, following what he says. Today, we look at the word refill as in refilling our faith encouraging, strengthening, challenging us in our faith. A tourist came too close to the edge of the Grand Canyon at one particular time, lost his footing, and plunged over the side, clawing and scraping to save himself. After he went out of sight and just before he fell into space, he stumbled upon a thorny bush which he desperately grabbed a hold of with both hands. Filled with terror, he called out towards the heavens, Is there anyone up there? And a calm, powerful voice came out of the sky. Yes, it said. The tourist pleaded, Well, can you hear me? Can you help me? And again, the calm voice replied, Yes. What is your problem? The man said, I fell over this cliff. I'm dangling in space, holding on to a thorny bush that's about to let go. Would you please help me? The voice from above said, I will. But asked a question. The voice asked, do you believe? The man said, yes, I believe. The voice said, do you have faith? The man said, yes, yes, I have faith. I have strong faith. Oh, this thorny bush is about to give way. The calm voice said, well, in that case, since you've got such strong faith, simply let go of the bush and everything will turn out just fine. The man paused, a tense pause, and then yelled out to no one in particular, is there anybody else? up there. It's a lot like you and I at times. It's one thing to say, I've got some faith. Sometimes it's another thing to live it out. Ever experienced that? 
Maybe it's one of those things where you've encountered some situations with friends or family members, co-workers, classmates, neighbors, and in the course of conversation, they're sharing about a difficulty that came up. And so what do you do? Filled with faith, you're challenging and encouraging them to trust God and have faith in God, and you can do it, and God can do it, and you are filled to the brim with faith for them. And the next day or the next week or the next month, how many of you have experienced a challenge in your own life? And all of a sudden, all those things that you were saying to someone else, have faith, trust in God, he can do it, hold on or let go. I mean, we're confused sometimes. We say, hold on to God, let go, hold on, let go. It's so much easier to challenge and encourage someone else to have faith in God, to trust God, then sometimes it is to do it ourselves. So kind of like that man, we've got to learn how to act on our and live out our faith. So I'll invite you to turn with me to the New Testament. As we're talking about faith, there's a chapter you might anticipate us directing our way to, Hebrews Chapter 11, Hall of Faith, powerful, faith-filled chapter. We'll look at a couple portions of that today. But first of all, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, it says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Many of you have or heard or learned the King James Version. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So King James, NIV, whatever you're looking at, we're seeing substance, evidence, confidence, assurance, all components of our faith in God. So take a, maybe a brief look at, at what a handful of things faith is not. But we'll take a look at how can we refill our faith, be challenged and encouraged and grow in our faith. First of all, understand, faith is not the ability to manipulate God. Faith is not some kind of magic potion where we somehow stir up faith and we magically make God do what we want God to do. Faith is not about manipulating God. There's a lot of individuals, sometimes even in church world. You've you've heard some of the prosperity teachers and preachers. You've maybe heard the phrase, name it and claim it. Boy, that's exciting. It sounds really good. Just say out loud, name out loud exactly what you want, and it's going to happen. It becomes kind of like the magic potion, magic formula. Faith is not about telling God what to do and manipulating or making him do something on our behalf. Because what happens when difficulty or tragedy strikes? What happens when challenges 
pop up in our life, which, let me just ask a question. Have any of you in this place ever experienced a challenge? Now, some, some of you were smiling as you're shaking your head. I'm, I'm not quite sure how to take that. I think you're smiling as in, <laughs> yes, I've had a few of those. And boy, they were doozies. We've had some challenges. If all we had to do was name it and claim it, if all we had to do was just have the faith and manipulate God, then when a difficulty came up, we would just rise up our faith and zap that situation to bits. Wouldn't that be incredible? Just to manipulate absolutely everything that we want. What happens when, and we prayed before for individuals who were needing a healing in their bodies. What happens when we pray for healing and healing doesn't happen? What happens when we've got our heart set on that promotion at work and it doesn't happen? Somebody else gets it. What happens when a difficulty or challenging situation shows up? And it doesn't turn out exactly the way you want. Sometimes then our faith, if, if it's simply about manipulating God, that faith crumbles. See, biblical faith is not believing that God does what we say. Biblical faith is believing that God will do what he says. Faith, I trust and believe in him. So faith's not the ability of somehow manipulating or making God do what we want. Faith is also not about wandering in the dark. Sometimes people look to faith and they say, well, faith is simply, you just kind of wander blindly. It's like as if you've got this, this blindfold on. You have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea where you're going. But somehow, someway, God just must be in the midst of it. Some people think, Ignore reason, throw logic out the window, and then maybe then you can trust and believe in God. Individuals who deny the existence of God and atheists or agnostics or secular humanists, if, if we were to put some of their faith into words, boy, it takes a lot of faith to live in some of those types of thoughts because they would say the, the faith that they take it, they believe the universe has evolved from mindless matter and order has accidentally emerged from chaos. Boy, it takes an awful lot of faith to believe something like that. So faith, it's not how we manipulate God. Faith is also not just wandering blindly and hoping somehow that something happens to the good. Faith is also not just knowing the right facts and learning right rules. It's good to know facts. It's good to understand things. It's good to know what God's word says, what God's word teaches, and the doctrines contained. But it's not just about the knowing it. True faith is that living relationship with a living God. Our faith is only as valuable as the object of our faith. You know, when you've put faith and trust in some human individuals, you and I have been let down, right? 
because our faith and our trust is in the person. So if they follow through and carry through, well, then I, I guess we're pretty good. But what happens if they don't follow through or carry through? We put our faith and trust and hope in them, and it was dashed to pieces because it's all dependent on that person, that object of our faith. So taking a look here at Hebrews chapter 11, those opening verses, we'll look at just a couple of verses throughout the chapter. I want to share a handful of ways and encouragement to refill our faith. First of all, the challenge is to believe even when you don't see it. Boy, isn't that a challenge? Because how many of you are seeing is believing people? Seeing is, boy, we've heard that phrase all the time, right? Seeing is believing. Small boy was told to wash his hands because of germs living in the dirt. Little boy refused. Little boy complained. He said, germs and Jesus, germs and Jesus. That's all I ever hear about, and I ain't never seen either one of them. It's believing when you don't see it. Have you, with your own visible eyes, ever seen a virus or a bacteria or, or something like that? And we say, well, man, those are awful, incredibly small. We have the faith to believe that it's there. There's some machines and telescopes that have seen some of these tiny microscopic things. You've gone through biology in school and, and you've learned about cells tiny building blocks of, of the human body and all these tiny cells. Can we in our visible eye see the tiny little breakdown of the cells, the electrons and neutrons and protons? We can't see it visibly. There's some things that help us. We trust and believe when we don't see it. Again, verse 1 in another version says this, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. We've said it's confidence, it's assurance, it's the substance, it's the evidence. We trust, we believe that there is faith, we believe it even when we don't see it. It's not saying, well, I'll only believe it when I see it. And we cross our arms and we, but you're not going to move me. I'm not going to believe anything unless I see it with my own two eyes. There's a lot of things in this world we take by faith. Have any of you ever seen with your eyes gravity? Can you see it? I don't see gravity. But boy, I can tell you it works. And if you're not convinced, come out with me. We'll get our real big ladder. You can climb up on the church, jump off, and I'll tell you what I think will happen. Based on gravity that I can't see. It's believing. Faith is believing, trusting in God, even when sometimes we don't see it. Boy, that's happened in our lives. We say, God, I trust you, and it seems like... We don't see anything happening. You ever been there? 
You're praying, you're trusting, you're believing for salvation in the family, you're believing for a healing in the body, and nothing is happening. You don't see anything with the visible eye. Faith is trusting and believing in God, even when you don't see it. But secondly, faith is also obeying, even when you don't understand it. Obeying, even when you don't understand it. Drop down a few verses. Verse 8 talks about Abraham. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as in his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He was not fully understanding this process. God is speaking to him. Abraham is about maybe 75 years old at this time, living in the land of Ur, and God tells him he's going to send him on a journey. Now, how many of you, you'd say, man, I am down for a vacation. And God's saying, okay, maybe not so much vacation. Let's call it a journey. One problem, though, God doesn't tell him the name of where he's going. He doesn't tell him where. Second problem, God doesn't tell him how far away the place is. Now, how many of you would say that would be a deal breaker for me? You have to know where you're going, how you're going to get there. You need a step-by-step itinerary for your day, for your planning, for your trip. I mean, you want to know what's going on. Any, any of those? We, we got a handful of those people. Okay. Some of you raising your hand. It's a challenge. Now, would you be willing to go? Would you be willing to do that, whether at the age of 75 or any other age? Would you be willing to uproot your family, take off in the car, and then along the way, God says, okay, north or south or left or right? I mean, anybody a taker for that? It's a challenge to obey even when you don't really understand what God is doing or what God is saying. Now, I've not had this exact setup, but I think back many years ago, graduating CBC and looking for a place of ministry, and I'm wanting to obey and follow where God leads, wanting to have faith and trust in him. And I go through the process, and I'm, I'm getting resumes together and sending them out. I'm interviewing with pastors who come to CBC and my oldest brother is in ministry, and there is a pastor of a church not too far away that was looking for a youth pastor. And my brother says, but I think you might be a good fit there. He mentions me, and the pastor says, yeah, I'd love to, to know more about him. So one weekend, I, I go to see my brother, and I meet the pastor and the church, and, and kind of a formal-slash-informal meeting and interview. And I think, man, this, this could be a possibility. Down the road towards the end of the year, come to find out, I never heard back from the pastor, but one of my best friends got the position. I heard through my best friend. Now, he would confide in me that one of the, if not the leading factor, was that he was married and I was single. It's one of those things as I had that interview, uh, you know, pastors would come in and they would say, well, I, I see you don't, you don't have a spouse listed. That's correct. I'm not married. Well, do you have a girlfriend? I mean, some of them would get so, you know, to the point like, 
any possibilities at all. I mean, it's like they're like they don't want a single guy. So what seemed like it seemed like the my understanding was, wow, God, it seems like maybe you're moving in this direction. Somebody that that my brother knows and this pastor knows my brother kind of has a little bit of an idea or, or a feel for maybe our family. Maybe that seemed like a good fit and the door was closed. Well, there was another pastor looking for a youth pastor, and, and he was a good friend of my other brother who is in ministry as well. And go through the whole process again. I, I took a, a day and, and traveled to, to visit, met the pastor and board and church and facilities. Once again, I could envision maybe this is what God was saying. And, and maybe though it didn't work out through this one brother, through this other brother, here's a pastor who was looking for a youth pastor, and maybe this would be it. You fast forward to the end of the school year, and, and once again, a, a different friend was selected for that place of ministry. And I'm sending out resumes, and I'm interviewing and, and doing a number of things, and not quite understanding, God, why are some of these other ones finding places of ministry, and I haven't yet? Well, right around the time of getting close towards graduation towards the end of the school year was a third potential church and this wasn't a connection through one brother or the other brother but this pastor knew one of the pastors on staff at James River where I was serving in the music ministry and did my internship and I thought well maybe God's directing me this way it's in a, it's in a different state and and so we had set this time up and and he was inviting me to come for this particular weekend. And in fact, he was calling it like a, a candidating weekend where you come and as, as a result of that weekend, if everything goes good, then they pretty much say, would you like to come and be our youth pastor? And I thought, well, maybe, maybe this is the one. In the course of conversation in, in the week before going, I brought it up to another friend who was on the same floor in the same dorm. And he said, oh, pastor so-and-so. I said, yeah, have you heard of him? And he mentioned the church, he mentioned the city, and I said, yep, yeah, that's the one. He says, oh, I was just there last weekend, candidating, and he offered me the position. I said, oh. And, and this friend proceeded to, to tell me how great the church was and the facilities were and the people were. He said, man, if it wasn't for the pastor, that would be an incredible place. Yeah, he offered me the position. So now I'm scheduled to go to this place. I'm talking to mom and dad, and, and we basically determined, boy, there's a whole bunch of red flags here, but maybe I'll at least go kind of get the experience of this weekend and connecting with some people and, and again, just kind of trust and, and put it in God's hands and, you know, maybe not, you know, try to color him with some of the, the thoughts of this other individual, even though he wasn't very high on him. So I was planning and scheduling to go and waiting to hear back. I'd, I'd taken off several days of my job in college, getting ready to drive a number of hours to another state, and waiting to hear back from him on Friday and never did. And I called and called and tried every number that I could, and I'm sure there were some things going on, but I never heard confirmation that I was supposed to get confirmation on. And so I ended up just politely 
calling back, declining, trying to get in touch with someone and say, I don't think this is going to work out. And boy, after one and now two and now three, I'm not quite understanding what God is doing. You ever been there? Sometimes, sometimes it, it only takes you once, right? Faith is obeying even when you don't understand it. I'm trying to trust. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to have faith in God, though I'm not understanding this process. But after no and no and no and no's and some other opportunities and situations and connections, I did receive a phone call from a pastor in a town I'd never heard of in Ohio, a state I didn't know anybody from. Pastor Lou Boston, who some of you have met, has been visited here in the past before his passing. And even though I did not understand the process of that year, the process of those situations, from that very first phone call was that assurance and that confidence from God. Though I could not see the church, though I could not see the town, though I could not see him, to, to give me the visual, this, this was before uh, Facebook and before you could just kind of Google everybody. To, to give me the visual, he said, well, he said, I'm kind of a, I look like a cross between Rush Limbaugh and the commish from the TV show. That was a pretty kind of accurate visual there. But before seeing him, seeing the place, seeing anything about this town called Galleon, God put in my heart, this was the place. And I began to obey and follow through, though I couldn't see a thing. In a sense, this is what Abraham was doing. He was obeying God. He didn't know where God was leading him. He didn't know where he'd end up. He didn't know anything about that situation. Abraham started out on the greatest journey of his life. End result, God begins to lead him in, in being the father of the nation. And boy, he's got a catchy song named after him in Father Abraham. Anybody want to sing it and do the motions with me? Okay, maybe not. I mean, it was incredible, though he couldn't see where God was leading him. The end result was so powerful. For myself personally, though I couldn't see where God was leading me, the end result was powerful. And now, 27 years later, I've spent more time in Ohio than Illinois, New York, Connecticut, and Missouri combined. End result God bringing Kimmy across my path at a little town called Big Prairie in family camp, 1999. Getting married in this very church in the year of 2000. Ministry in several churches, Autumn and Brooklyn, some little doggies along the years. At the time, not able to see, not able to understand, but faith in God says, I'm going to obey. When you open something up, God, I'm trusting you, though I can't see it, though I don't understand it. See, here's the challenge with us. Many of us, we don't want to take that first step because we want to know what step two and three and four and five are. Is that like any of you? 
You know, God simply, he's challenging us to take that step. And we're saying, I don't want to take this step because once I take the step, then what? You know, we, we want to get our flashlight out. We want to shine it on the path all the way in front of us. Sometimes God gives us enough light for one step in the journey. And we don't always see it. We don't always understand it. Faith says, I'm going to trust. Faith says, I'm going to obey you, God. Even if I don't see the entire step, even if I don't see the entire pathway. Now, looking back, oh, 2020 vision, in hindsight, it's pretty good. We look back and we say, well, it's obvious how God guided and directed. But at the time, were we struggling? Were we wondering? Were we praying? God, what are you doing? Faith is obeying and doing what God calls us to, though we can't see it sometimes, though we don't understand it. Thirdly, faith is persevering even when you don't feel like it. Persevering even when you don't feel like it. Our culture is all about what we feel like. If I feel like this, well, we validate everyone's feelings. And if you don't feel like doing something, well, then you just don't do it. Everything's about how we feel. But the challenge is, what happens when our feelings change? I don't know. Anybody ever gone through some changing and shifting moods in your life? You have too. Yeah, just a few. Oh, if we base our life on feelings and emotions, man, you want to talk about a roller coaster? Because how many of you know sometimes we're on the upswing? Life is awesome! And then pretty soon, a day or two or a week or two or a month or two, it's like the bottom of the barrel fell out. We're moaning and complaining about how terrible life is. Because it's based on emotion, based on our feelings. We don't always feel like doing the right things. We don't always feel like doing what God is calling us to do. Faith is persistently doing what God's calling us to do, even though sometimes we don't feel like it. You think about those in sports, think about those who are in uh, movies and actors and musicians. I mean, there is some dedication going on to be a part of those things. Many of you have done that maybe in some of your schooling. You've got kids or grandkids who are doing that. It takes some dedication to play a sport, to play an instrument, to be a part of drama, to be a part of any of these kinds of activities. Just recently, what many are saying is the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady, announced he was retiring. That's the second time. He retired again 23 years playing in the National Football League. Now, he might not be on your team. He's certainly not on mine. But you've got to admit, in 23 years of the NFL, 
plus college, plus high school, and however many years he's been in football, do you think he encountered some times when he didn't feel like working out? He didn't feel like doing some extra film sessions. He didn't feel like eating things a certain way to try to take care of his body to last physically. I would venture to say there was a whole lot of times he didn't feel like it. And I would venture to say there's a whole lot of times in our lives as a Christian, we don't always feel like doing right. We don't always feel like obeying God. We don't always feel like doing what he has called us to do because sometimes it's a challenge and there's what we think a, an easier route. Whether it's athlete, musician, scholars, The top anythings in their field tend to persevere even when they don't feel like it. How about men and women of God? Sometimes the challenge is for you and I to persevere, to keep on keeping on, even at times when we don't feel like it. We're going to face some difficulties in our life. Does that mean because we feel challenged or because we feel uh, bad about a situation, we just are going to walk away from God? Faith is persevering even when we don't feel like it. Drop down into Hebrews 11, verse 27. We take a look at Moses, and it says, By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. How did he persevere? What made him persistent? The last phrase says, he saw him who is invisible. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like an interesting phrase. It's, it's almost sounding like an oxymoron that it just can't happen. How do you see something that's invisible? This was not a something. This was a someone. He saw and trusted and believed in God and persevered. Persevered through the challenges in Egypt. Someone said, we can only accomplish the impossible when we see the invisible. I like that. But it's a challenge. Seeing the invisible, putting our faith and our trust that says, God, I'm going to see you. Maybe not visibly as I see each and every one of you here on a Sunday morning. But God, I'm putting my trust and my faith and my confidence in you. And because of that, I'm going to persevere. Because of that, I'm going to go through the challenges of life. Because of that, you're going to help me through these difficulties. We keep our eyes on God. God's the one that controls the circumstances. Keep your eyes on him. He'll strengthen and equip you and give you the power to persevere, even at times when you don't feel like it. Finally, how do we refill our faith? I believe we trust God even if we don't get it. As in, trust God even if we don't always get what we want. Because we like to get what we want, right? 
Here's a couple things that are critical about prayer and understanding. Understand that God hears our prayers. Understand that God answers our prayers, but also understand God doesn't always answer the way that you and I want. Wouldn't it just be incredible if he did? We get absolutely everything we pray for exactly the way we want it. We can be awful specific about things. We can, we've, we can be often uh, uh, you know, self-centered about some things. It can be about me. Sometimes we pray, and it's almost as if God's thoughts might be, are you serious? Sometimes we pray, and God says, mm, not yet. Sometimes we pray, and, and God says, well, in just a little while, a little bit later, Sometimes God simply says no. You ever said no? Your child, your grandchild, friend, a family member asks for something and you say no. No is sometimes one of those responses. Does God say no because he doesn't love us? He says no because he does. You've probably said no to someone, particularly to a, a child or grandchild as you're trying to teach and grow. And we say no to hot stoves. We say no to electrical outlets. We say no to some dangerous things because we know they're not good. Sometimes what we think is so good, God looks to us and sees that's not the best for you and I. And we'll say no or we'll say, we'll say wait or we'll say later perhaps. Sometimes our view about God is we make him out to be kind of like a vending machine. You, know, you walk up to the vending machine, you put your money in, you, you tap a couple of buttons, and you get exactly what you want when you want. Sometimes that's our attitude about prayer. We go to pray, we fold our hands, we type in the buttons of prayer, open our eyes, and we want that response immediately. Trusting God, even at times, we don't get exactly what we want or are praying for. We don't have time to look through it, but I encourage you this week, read through Hebrews chapter 11. Look at the many men and women that are mentioned. They went through a lot of stuff. There were things, no doubt, they prayed for, some of which are mentioned in Scripture, others of which you and I can only anticipate what they've prayed about and talked about and asked God for. And yet there were so many situations that they didn't get exactly what they want or they got something completely different or God says, hey, here's the situation. I'm going to give you the, the strength and the grace to make it through. But so many of these men and women who were trusting God, even when they didn't get exactly what they wanted. God never says that he promises us a perfect life. He does promise to be with us in the midst of an imperfect one. That's good news to remember. Sometimes God does remove a difficulty. Sometimes God does step in in his strength and in his healing, and he does step into what seems like an impossibility and makes the impossible possible. But there's been many times he's done that. But there's been other times... He doesn't. 
Drop down a little further, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 and 40. It says, they were all, all of these men and women in Hebrews chapter 11 that we're talking about, they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Boy, it's really easy to trust God when things are going perfect. It's more challenging to trust in the difficulties. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we see many men and women, they did not receive what had been promised. Many, many times they faced things that were completely different, and yet they trusted God. Faith is developed in our lives many times in the valley of our life. When dreams are delayed, at times when God says no, or at times when God says to wait, faith is trusting in God. Even at times when we don't get what it is that we're praying for. So some overview of faith principles. How do we refill our faith? Well, we believe even when we don't see it. We obey even when we don't understand it. We persevere even when we don't feel it. And then we trust God even when we don't get it. 